I invite you to turn in your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 3. First, or, I'm sorry, 1 Peter chapter 1. I haven't quite got to chapter 3 yet. 1 Peter chapter 1. And we will be in that text here in just a little bit. Good, it's good to see everyone here today. It's good to be back with you. I tell you, when you're not able to come to church on Sunday, for me, it, I feel like I've missed the biggest part of my week. I've, I've missed you guys. I, I wish I could have been here last week. Uh, you probably wouldn't have wanted me to be here last week because uh, I'd be, uh, it wouldn't be a good thing because I wasn't feeling very well, but I'm glad to be back today. I'm glad we're able to get over what we were, whatever it was we had, and if I could ever figure out what I ate that didn't agree with me, I wouldn't eat it again, amen? Uh, that was kind of one of those, one of those days. Whether we realize it or not, the Christian life is full of movement. God never called us to idleness. God never called us just to sit. So many people, so many Christians, unfortunately, they trust the Lord as their Savior. They trust the Lord, uh, Jesus, as their Lord. And they're baptized, and they come out of the baptistry, and they sit in a pew for 40 years, and they never move forward. They never grow. They never change. They never become more mature in the Lord. And and God calls us to movement. God is always taking us somewhere. We are on a journey. Uh, I We talked about it in Sunday school this morning. That, and we've talked about it in the first part of 1 Peter 1. We've been saved. We've, been, we're, we've got glory waiting for us at some point in time. But we're not there yet. Until then, what are we supposed to do? And, and let me suggest you, to you that God is leading us on a journey. God is leading us on a journey that takes us from where we are on the throne of our lives to finally where Jesus is on the throne of our lives in all things. We sing that song quite often, I Surrender All, and it's a great song, but I think we spend a lifetime learning to surrender all, don't we? As the Lord reveals things to us that we, we hold on to, as, as the Lord moves us through seasons of our lives, we all know that life is not always mountaintop experiences. Uh, one reason you go to the mountains is to see the, the views and to see the mountaintops. And I know to shop in the outlet malls and all that kind of thing, but that's just kind of a, a byproduct of where the, the shops are located. But we understand that we don't spend all of our life on the mountaintop, do we? Sometimes we're in the valley. Sometimes we have hard times. And, and all of it's a journey. All of it... God is moving us toward when we're going home. And it's good to know we've already read it in the first part of 1 Peter that we will get there. Have you ever been on a trip that it seemed like it took so long that you would never, ever get there? We went to Gatlinburg one time, and I could have sworn that they moved Knoxville. It, it just seemed like it took forever to get from Nashville to Knoxville. And it didn't take any longer than it usually does, but for whatever reason that time, that trip took forever. Sometimes, as a Christian, it seems like we'll never get home. We know we're going there, but especially if we've been sick, especially if we've had hardship, especially if we've had trials and tribulations, we think, man, I'll never get there. Can I encourage you that we will get there? Notice that Jesus tells us in verse 5 of 1 Peter chapter 1, he says, we are kept by the power of God 
wait for salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. We're not there yet, but we're going home. We are headed home. Well, what do we do in the meantime? What do we do until then? Let's look at our text this morning, 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning at verse 13, and we're going to read to verse 21. 1 Peter 1, beginning at verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts, as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father who without partiality judges according to each one's work, Conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver and gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Now we're not going to get through this whole paragraph today. Today I'm going to try to get us just through verse 16. And as we look at verses 13 to 16, we'll find five principles here that Peter through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gives us to help us in our journey as we're moving on. God wants to get us moving on, and there are five principles that we'll see to help us do that. And there's a little handout in your bulletin if you want to follow along with that. The first tool that God gives us is there in verse 13. Peter says, Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind. If we put that in 21st century terms, Peter says, get your mind ready for action. Get ready for action. Uh, there's a phrase here in Greek that is not in the King James and the New King James. He says here to gird up the loins of your mind, but uh, what he means is gird up the loins of your mind, get ready for action. Get ready to do something. God didn't save us to sit. God saved us to serve, amen? God's got work for us to do. God's got things that he wants us to do, and we have to get ready for that. We need to anticipate movement, anticipate that God wants you to grow. God wants me to grow. He doesn't just want us to sit here. What would we think if we planted a couple of tomato plants? I like tomatoes, and... I mean, there's nothing better than homegrown tomatoes. Uh, you don't realize how good homegrown tomatoes are until you eat the greenhouse tomatoes all winter, and then you bite into a homegrown one uh, in the summertime, right? It's homegrown tomatoes. Well, how would you feel if you planted a couple of tomato plants and they never grew? They just kind of sat there. They never, they never got any taller. They never spread out. They 
they'd ever bloomed or do like a couple of our tomato plants did one year. We just had a whole two tomato plants full of blooms, and that's all they did. They never got tomatoes on the tomato. We expect our plants to grow, don't we? Our children, our grandchildren, what would we think if they never grew? What would we think if we, they stayed the size that they were when they were little? Now, I, there were times when my daughter was growing up, I wish I could keep her little, amen? But I knew that if she didn't grow up, it wasn't normal, it wasn't right. Well, the same is true with Christians. God saves us to grow. God saves us to move. God saves us to travel on our journey to becoming more like Jesus. And one of the tools that we use to do that is to prepare our minds. This idea of girding up our loins, we don't know what that means. That is totally foreign to us in the 21st century. But if you'll recall, in the 1st century, they all wore robes, right? And so what Peter's telling them to do, y'all pull up your robes and put your belt around you, tighten them up. Because you need to run. Uh, ladies, imagine if you had a uh, big, long, flowing dress and uh, a bear started chasing you. And you had to run. Would it be easy to run in that long flow? What would you do? You'd pull it up and you'd kick off the high heels and go, right? Well, that's what Paul is telling them. He's saying, gird up your robes. Well, it's where we get the word girdle. I'm not going to elaborate on that word girdle, but we know why we use girdles, right? You ladies do. Gird up your mind is what he's after here. Prepare your mind is what he's saying. Get your mind ready for action. And notice this is not a suggestion. Paul says here, therefore, because of all these things we've talked about in the first 12 verses, our salvation, our being chosen by God, our sanctification, our becoming more like Jesus, our glorification that's going to be revealed. When we get to heaven, we're going to be made like Christ. With all of that in mind, therefore, get your mind ready for action. Get your, right, your mind ready for movement. Get your mind ready to go. The mind is the control tower of our lives. You know, as an airplane pilot gets ready to fly an airplane, he communicates with the control tower. The control tower has the radar. The control tower tells the pilot it's safe to take off. It's safe to land. It's safe to elevate to this uh, altitude. Well, our, control, our mind is our control tower. Our mind is what tells us, it tells our body what to do. Uh, if we're going to get our thinking right, we've got to get our mind right, right? We have to prepare our minds. And what Peter is saying here is we need to prepare our minds ahead of time. We need to have our mindset ahead of time. A lot of us, tomorrow, we'll get up and we'll go to work. And when we get to work, you know, it's easy to live a Christian life in the church house on Sunday, isn't it? We sing songs. Sometimes we sing songs that we know well. Say a couple of songs today that are fairly new to our group. The only way to learn them is to sing them, right? So we sing them, we learn them. It, it's easy to live a Christian life here. 
Not so much when we, tomorrow when we wake up and we get back to work and you have that co-worker or boss or situation that just grates on you, that just bothers you, that just, it's like somebody taking fingers and y'all a bunch of y'all are smiling. You know what I'm talking about, right? Can I tell you if we're going <laughs> to successfully navigate the Christian life at work, at school, at senior citizens, we've got to prepare our minds ahead of time. We get, have to get our minds right to know this is what's going to happen. Remember Daniel in Daniel chapter 1? We won't turn there to read it, but remember Daniel and his friends had been taken from Jerusalem to Babylon to be indoctrinated into the Babylonian culture, to be worked into the Babylonian leadership. Daniel tells us in Daniel chapter 1 that he prepared his mind. He purposed in his heart. He says he wasn't going to defile himself. He knew when he got to Babylon, he would be faced with situations that would be contrary to the way that he was supposed to walk as a God follower, right? So Peter said, I'm going to prepare my mind. I'm going to be ready, and I'm not going to defile myself. Y'all, can I encourage you tomorrow, when you wake up in the morning, if God wakes us up, say a little prayer, Lord. Help me be who I ought to be at work today. Prepare your mind. Get your mind wrapped around it. Get it ready. Because if we think wrong, we're going to act wrong. Can I guarantee you something? I won't guarantee it. Can I pretty much guarantee you something? If you wake up in the morning and you say, today is going to be a lousy day. When I get to work, that co-worker is going to drive me nuts. My boss is going to be unreasonable. Those co-workers of mine, you, you just don't know them. They're, they're, they're terrible. They're, can I... Suggest to you, if you think that when you get up, that's probably the kind of day you're going to have. You talk yourself into having a pretty bad day. Get your mind ready. Gird up the loins of your mind. Let me tell you how to mess with your co-workers. When you get to work tomorrow, ask them. Did y'all gird up the loins of your mind this morning? That'll mess with them. <laughs> Maybe don't do that. But see, if somebody says that, you know what they were talking about, right? You're going down the streets of Gatlinburg. Have you girded up the loins of your mind? They'll, they'll enjoy that conversation. How are we going to move on? How are we going to travel on our journey? It starts with getting our mind right. Getting our mind there. But he doesn't leave us with that. Look what else he says. Verse 13, Therefore gird up the loins of your mind. Then he says, be sober. In our language today, it's think clearly. First, get ready for action. Second, think clearly. Sober-minded means more than just not being drunk. We understand if we, if we were to ask somebody, what's the opposite of drunk, we would say sober. Or what's the opposite of sober, we would say drunk. But Peter means more than that here. This idea of being sober-minded means to have balanced judgment. Clear judgment. Make sure not only do we need to prepare our minds for action, 
We need to make sure our minds aren't clouded by muddy waters. There are a lot of things in our lives that muddy up the waters of our mind. The, the things we listen to, the things we watch, the things we read, uh, all the noise that's around us, social media, news, uh, co-workers, it, it's negative. It, it, just walking around, yesterday I was at Walmart and I purposely opened my ears to hear, try to really hear what people were talking about around me. And I'm sort of like my grandfather with his hearing aids. We bought him a pair of hearing aids and uh, he wore them for about two weeks. And uh, we said, well, Pa, your hearing aids are not working because he wasn't wearing them. And he said, no, they're working just fine. He, I, we said, well, how come you're not wearing your hearing aids? He said, well, because I found out the things I was hearing, I didn't have any business hearing. <laughs> and that's kind of the way I felt yesterday because it was mostly negative. High gas prices, high grocery prices, what different people were wearing, comments about other people's tattoos. It's interesting what you hear, with, but, but very little of it is edifying and uplifting. And y'all, when we hear that, and we can't help but hear it now, you be like me and have bad hearing, so you don't hear as much as, as, you, as you might. I like to listen to sports talk radio, but even on that, it's very negative. Usually it's negative stuff that happens in sports. Y'all, if we're going to move forward, if we're going to be made more like Jesus, we need to get the waters of our mind clear. A very wise man once said, if you want to, or if you want the water to clear up, first you have to get the pigs out of the creek. I'm going to repeat that. If you want the water to clear up, first you have to get the pigs out of the creek. And the wise person that said that was Vestas Hagen on Gunsmoke. But isn't that the truth? Y'all, if we want to be clear thinking, we got to get the pigs out of the creek. we got to clear up the mud that's in our mind. Think clearly. In the 2010 flood, the house we lived in on the Piney River, it, you came up a little bank, and then we had maybe a half acre of land that was flat. We call that the meadow. And then there was a gradual hill up to where the house was located. And quite often when it rained and the piney would get out of its banks, it would cover up that meadow quickly because it's flat and level. And at one time it was even with the river. But it would take generally all day to climb that hill. That hill, it would climb, water would climb very slowly. Well, the morning of May 1st and 2nd, the 2010 flood, the water got over the meadow, and Ann kept saying, "We, this is going to flood. And I'm like, it'll take all day for that water to get up the hill. It's not going to flood. Well, in about 15 minutes, it was almost to the top of the hill. I said, it's going to flood. <laughs> uh, and, and we need to get out of here and get some clothes and, and get gone. So I packed a bag, and Ann packed a bag, and Leandra packed a bag, and we left the house. And when we got to where we were going to stay, in my bag, I had a bag full of underwear and socks. <laughs> Ann had a bag of work shirts. That's it. 
of the three of us, Leandra was the only one that was clear thinking enough to think shirt, pants, socks. Shirt, she pants, she had like three outfits. Ann and I were so worried and concerned about the water coming up, and we just grabbed and we just went. We had too many pigs in the creek, right? Pigs in your creek will cloud up the waters of your mind every time. If we're going to move forward and be the kind of Christian God will have us to be, we need to prepare our mind for action. We need to think clearly. We also, in verse 13, Peter says, Gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Get ready for action. Think clearly. Keep your hope fully on the front burner. Know where it is you're headed. Sometimes the problems and the concerns and the trials of our lives will cause us to forget where it is we're going. Let's be sure we are fixing our hope on the right thing. One of these days when Jesus is revealed, when Jesus either comes or calls, he's going to reveal his grace fully to us. And we're going to become, we're going to become like him. But until then, we are still on the journey. And until then, while we're here on earth, we are going to have competing loyalties. Let me give you an example of that. I would love to have a body that looks like the guy on front of Men's Health magazine. You know, the guy that's got the six-pack and the muscles, and he's just very well built. I would like to have a body like that. <coughs> But I also like banana pudding. And I like fried okra. And uh, I like chocolate cake. And I like bacon. And those, that's competing loyalties, right? I'd like to have a good body. But unfortunately, the quite often the bacon and the banana pudding and the Reese's Cups, they all lose out. And it's Marie's fault sometimes. <laughs> we were in Dollar Tree yesterday looking around. Here she comes around the corner. Which one of these zingers did you like? You like chocolate or vanilla? But you know what? I'll do the same thing with her. For mother's, part of her Mother's Day gift was chocolate payday candy bars. Because that's what she likes. We laugh about those things. But can I tell you that spiritually those competing loyalties are no laughing matter. They, our competing loyalties will take, cause us to lose focus of where we're going. Have you ever gotten so wrapped up in your problems, in your cares, in your concerns, whatever it is you're thinking about, 
that you can drive along and you don't remember passing certain exits or you don't remember passing certain landmarks. Quite often coming home, I'd be thinking about something that happened at work when I was coming home from when I was working in Nashville. I couldn't remember, I didn't remember crossing the Cumberland River. There are times that all of a sudden I'd be on Highway 48. I'd already traveled out of Nashville, gotten off the exit and headed home. And I looked up and said, wow, I'm home already. That's a little bit sobering. But that's what competing loyalties do. That's what pigs in the creek do. It messes with our thinking. If we're going to move on, if we're going to get where God wants us to go, we've got to prepare our minds. We've got to think clearly. We've got to keep our hope fully on the front burner. Remember where we're going. This life is all about God taking us somewhere. God is in the process through the work of the Holy Spirit living in us of making us more like Jesus. He's taking us somewhere. And if we're not careful, we'll lose our focus. We need to learn to keep our minds fully, rest our hope fully, not just a little bit, but fully upon the grace that's to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And then he switches direction here. He leaves thinking and he gets into our actions. He leaves getting our minds right and he talks about our actions. And he says in verse 14, As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance. We need to learn if we're going to move on the way God wants us to move on to resist our former lifestyle. To resist our former lifestyle. When things get tough, we tend to retreat toward what is familiar. Why do you think they call comfort food comfort food? It's because they make us feel better. And when things get rough, when strength, things get stressful, we turn to comfort food. Now there are times past before we became Christ followers. Our lifestyle that we lived, we lived it in ignorance. We didn't know any better. We didn't realize where that lifestyle would take us. But as a Christ follower, we've been born again. We've been given a new heart, a new mind, a new will, a new want to. We understand that that old lifestyle will get us messed up. But when things get tough, we tend to go back that way. That's why addicts keep going back to whatever it is they're addicted to quite often. It's to remove the pain. To escape reality of right now. It makes me feel better. It helps me not have to deal with it. But Paul or Peter here helps us understand that that lifestyle's futile. Don't go back that way. We were that way. We used to live that way. That's not the way that we live anymore. There's a principle out there. Andy Stanley wrote a book entitled The Principle of the Past. And it goes like this. If you are addicted to alcohol, if you stay on the road to alcohol addiction long enough, it's going to lead to cirrhosis of the liver and health issues. It's going to lead to relationship issues. 
it's going to lead to job issues. If you are a poor money manager, you might be all right at first, but ultimately you're going to have money problems. And it's not because you're not smart. It's not because you're not intelligent. It's because that's where that road goes. If you want to go to Louisville, Kentucky, Don't get on I-65 or don't get on I-40 West. If you get on I-40 West, you're not going to get to Louisville, Kentucky. It's not because you're not smart. It's not because you don't have a dependable vehicle. The problem is I-40 West doesn't go to Louisville, Kentucky, does it? If you want to go to Louisville, Kentucky, don't get on I-65 South. When I was in college, we were coming back from... Uh, Tampa, Florida, to Nashville for Christmas vacation. And the girl that I was dating at the time, she lived in California. She had never seen snow before, bless her heart. And when we were coming over Mont Eagle Mountain, it was snowing to beat the band. Uh, now on the, on the bottom of the mountain, on either side, it was just rain. But on top of Mont Eagle Mountain, it was snowing. And I don't know if you all have ever driven over Mont Eagle, but it's steep. It goes up, it's really steep, and it goes down very, very quickly. They even have places where there's sand traps for big trucks that if their brakes go out, they can pull into those sand, sand traps. Well, I was really, really sleepy. It was like a 12-hour drive uh, to home, and so I told my girlfriend, I said, do you mind? I said, I'm going to get us over this hill. I said, it's snowy, a little bit icy, and all this kind of stuff. And uh, I said, well, when we get off the mountain, I said, do you mind riding? I said, we're still about two hours away from home. Can you drive for about an hour so I can just get a little bit of sleep? And she said, yes. So we got, I got over the snow and all of that. And she, her eyes are this big with the snow and uh, the, just looking at the, the people. Different, we, we slid a time or two. And uh, she was just, her, her, she's like in a death grip on the dashboard. Imagine never seeing snow, and there you are. And so we got off the mountain, and we got in the rain, and I could tell she was relaxed. I said, do you think you can drive now? And she said, yeah, I think I can. And so uh, I got off at the next day, and we switched drivers. Well, I closed my eyes, pretty, I was gone. I, I was out quick. And in about 10 minutes, I woke up, and it was snowing again. And here she was driving. And I said, where are we? And she said, I don't know. She goes, all I did was get on the interstate. The trouble was she got on the interstate going the wrong way. And we were heading back over Mount Eagle Mountain again. <laughs> it wasn't. We were not going to war. We could have kept on that road. We never would have gotten to Nashville, Tennessee. But that's because I-40 East from Mount Eagle doesn't go to Nashville, Tennessee. As Christian people, God has called us to something better. God has called us to a new lifestyle. And if we're going to move on the way God wants us to move, if we're going to allow the Holy Spirit to make us more like Jesus, we have to learn to resist that former lifestyle. It's going to pull because it's comfortable. It's going to pull because it makes us feel better. 
But ultimately, it takes us in the wrong direction. Finally, if we're going to move on the way God wants us to move on, verse 15. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy, for I am holy. In the, old, or in the Bible, holiness is used in two ways. Holiness is used, first of all, in what we call positional holiness. And you'll see that in words like righteousness and justification. Positional holiness, that's what God declares us to be when he saves us. When we are born again, when we have... Uh, been regenerated, the Holy Spirit has, has washed us into Jesus Christ and baptized us into Jesus Christ, God declares us holy, righteous. It's not because of anything we've done. It's because of what Jesus did. And we'll talk about more about that next week, our perfect sacrificial lamb. Because of Jesus' righteousness and his death on the cross as our sacrifice, when we come to Jesus... Admit we're a sinner, repent, trust Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Jesus takes our sin and he gives us his righteousness. God looks at us, he says, you're holy. Positionally, we are holy. We stay holy. Positionally, once you're God's child, you're always God's child. But there's also practical holiness. And that's what Peter's talking about here. Practical holiness is sometimes uh, worded as sanctification. The idea of being made more like Jesus. It means to be set apart, to be different. Now God is holy positionally and practically. He's holy in essence. He's holy in lifestyle. Everything God does is holy. Remember when we studied 1 John? God is light in him. There is no darkness at all. There is no sin with God. God is totally holy. And he calls us to be holy. And positionally we are because we've trusted Jesus as our Savior. But practically, as we're moving on, we're going to have a battle between our contrasting lifestyles. Just like I have the battle in my mind for the fit body and the banana pudding, we're going to have a battle in our hearts and in our minds for a holy lifestyle and a carnal lifestyle. And Peter tells us here, you be holy. Listen to me. Holiness is the only acceptable goal of the believer. I'm going to say that again. I almost put this on the outline. Or fill in the blank to help us remember. The reason I give you these outlines is not to uh, give you busy work, but studies have shown us if you write something down, you'll remember it more than if you just hear it. I almost put this on the outline because I think it's worth writing down. Holiness is the only acceptable goal of the believer. A lot of believers want to be pretty good. We want to be good enough to go to heaven, but we want to be bad enough to be light. We want to be saved from the penalty of sin, but we don't want to be delivered from the pleasure of sin. Y'all, 
God says, as I am holy, you be holy. That you there is us. It's a command. It's, it's not optional. Be holy. That's our only acceptable goal. And it's more than just doing or not doing, or it's more than just putting on or putting off. A lot of people in Scripture, we think, well, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do that. Let me tell you what holiness is. The battle for holiness is the battle for submitting to God's holiness. It's submitting our will to God's will. Remember what I said in the very beginning of this lesson? That as a Christian we are on a journey from taking ourselves off the throne of our lives and putting Jesus Christ fully on the throne of our lives. That's holiness. And that's the journey. And that involves submitting to God's holiness. Notice here in verse 15, Peter says, But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in some of your conduct. Is that what it says? Read it with me. As he who called you is holy, you be holy in some of your conduct. He says all. How much is all? All, right? That's our goal. That's what we're working toward. It's easy to be Christ-like right here in church with church people. It's even pretty easy to go on a church trip in the church van with church folks. It's still fairly easy to be live a Christian holy life. But boy, get us apart. Get us alone. Get us at work. Get us on vacation. Get us on Saturday. Y'all, God has called, called us to be holy seven days a week. The lifestyle we live on Sunday, we should live Monday through Saturday. God has called us to be holy 24 hours a day. So as we move on, how are we going to get to where the Holy Spirit wants to get us? It involves our mind, preparing our mind, getting our mind ready for action, thinking clearly, keeping our hope fully on the front burner. Remember where it is we're going. Resist our former lifestyle. Be holy. My question to you this morning is where's your mind? Because wherever your mind is, your actions are going to follow. It's my goal as a preacher not to, my goal is not for you to like my sermon, although it's, it's nice to hear good good sermon. I, it's good to know that it makes a difference. But my goal as a teacher of God's Word is to help you get your mind wrapped around who it is God wants you to be. And to help you be, if you get your, because I know that if you can get your mind right, the actions will follow. Do a Google search for the times in the Bible God talks about our mind. You'll be stunned how often our minds, our thoughts, our thinking is talked about. Because it really is a battlefield of the mind. 
If we can get our mind right, the rest of it will fall into place. Where is your mind this morning? 